Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. Welcome, 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 MD Nation, to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we are finishing up the mini-series that we have been working on, the five best, five busts, and five sleepers of the tight end position in today's episode. And of course, we have a mailbag segment from you, the fans, at the end of the show, so make sure you listen all the way through. You are not going to want to miss it, especially if you sent in your questions and you have a chance to be in on the show. And if you want to get your questions answered and have a chance to be on the show, or just be answered by me directly through social media or email or any other means, make sure you're following me at MDSFFshow on Twitter, at MDFFshow on Facebook, and you can go to the website www.mdffshow.com to send me a direct email on the Contact Us tab. I am widely available to you, accessible to you. Use me as a tool to help you win your championship leagues. And of course, make sure you're following me on Twitter for those player update news notifications as well. Make sure you're going to the website regularly for the updated versions of my projections and rankings. And yes, I did just update them. They include Josh Gordon, who's just been reinstated into the NFL. We are going to talk about that as this episode goes on in a couple of different places. All of those things are happening right now for the MD's Fantasy Football Show. All those things are accessible to you by following along or going to the website if you are able to do so. So that is what is going on with the show. We don't have a ton to go over in the intro. All I can say to you is that we are just now four episodes away, including this episode, from having week one in our grasp from the week one preview shows to be talking real fantasy football matchups, real stakes, real fun. That is how close we are to the week one NFL season starting, or more accurately, the fantasy football season is starting. I cannot wait. We are so close. I can taste it. Taste it, taste it, taste it. It's going to be so sweet this year. All right, since we don't have a lot to talk about and we do have a ton of content to get through in today's episode, let's go ahead, drop that latest news sounder, and get started now. Latest news. So I guess it could not be a true latest news segment if we did not mention at least one of the players that are holding out this training camp that have been the main storylines throughout outside of how crazy Antonio Brown is, which we'll get to that in a minute as well. But let's start off with Melvin Gordon, the Chargers, the negotiation process has been going on between those two, and the update is there really has been no update other than to say that they are still not close on their number, not close on their negotiations. Now, we just are finishing up week two of the preseason, so this is the territory in which it starts to get a little hairier, a little more concerning as far as what you can expect on hoping that Melvin Gordon will be able to come back week one. Now, of course, if he was to sign, let's say, right after the week four preseason, when week one gets started on that Monday, on that Tuesday after Labor Day, then, yeah, he will still probably come in and start and play right away. So this is one of the situations, one of the few times where a player could come in pretty much the last second and still be expected to start and play in their normal role when it comes to Melvin Gordon. So something to keep in mind as you're going through your drafts, know that all it takes is one day that Gordon just decides to come in or one day the Chargers all of a sudden get a deal done with Melvin Gordon and his representatives. 
As of right now, though, I would say that between the two, I am still a little more worried about Melvin Gordon actually being able to play week one than I am Ezekiel Elliott. So just keeping in touch with that, what do you do in that situation? Well, right now, Melvin Gordon, for the most part, where I have seen him go is the third round. That is where the most mock drafts I see him usually fall to. He's still rated as a second-round guy that you could pick up. He's still a guy who we know if he actually plays week one or more or when he is actually in playing period, whenever that might be, he is an RB1 caliber type of player. So he is somebody who has a high reward with some risk at the moment. Moment. I would say if you can get him in the third round right now, you're getting Melvin Gordon for an absolute steal. I would still very much want to take him in the second round if given the opportunity to do so myself until we get more news out of the Melvin Gordon camp about him not playing or where his stance is as of as of now, as of we go through this process as to what's going to happen in the future. But right now, just as week two of the preseason is wrapping up, I am still standing pat on I am taking Melvin Gordon in that second round and a third round as a steal because I am keen on him being an RB1 throughout this season and him playing more games than not this year. Even if it's not necessarily week one, I do think there's a good chance he would be back within that first month, which makes the risk worth it to me to take him in that range that he is going as of right now. Your backup plan should still be to get Justin Jackson. He is the true handcuff to Melvin Gordon. He would be the true runner. But of course, Austin Eckler has value in his own right. He has value even when Melvin Gordon is there, especially in PPR leagues. But if he's not there, you can trust that Austin Eckler will also get worked a little bit more than he would if Melvin Gordon was playing. So he does have value as well. And if you're trying to weigh the options between a Justin Jackson and Austin Austin Eckler, which one you should take higher. I would lean towards Austin Eckler in the sense of even when Melvin Gordon comes back, especially when you're a PPR league, he is a guy who's going to have some value for you even still. But while he's out, he could be in a, I want to say 55 to 45, maybe 60, 40 split when it comes to the carries with Justin Jackson and still be the main guy for the passing game. If you're in standard leagues, halfway PPR leagues, I lean more towards Justin Jackson and grabbing him as my safety blanket if I draft Melvin Gordon. Uh, but that is where I stand on now with Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler, a question I've been getting quite often on social media. One of the biggest we got to talk about is another Gordon. Josh Gordon reinstated by the NFL. He's starting off on the NFI list for the Patriots, which is to be expected. One, you got to get him back in camp. You got to get him back in reconditioned, see what kind of football shape he is in, and get him going. The fact that he is being reinstated now and has still two and a half weeks or so until the season starts to get practicing and get up to speed and get back in shape, and he's a guy who's a phenomenal athlete to begin with, I do think this bodes well as somebody you can trust to be a possible wide receiver two for you as of right now as we ease into it I do have my projections and rankings for him already set up I have him about 800 yards and six touchdowns which puts him in that high-end wide receiver three territory possible flex guy for you but he does have the potential to be a wide receiver two especially given the pecking order right now for the New England Patriots as far as those pass catchers go. Nikhil Harry has not had the best of camps and has been nagged by several different injuries. And outside of Julian Edelman, we know somebody else has to catch the ball and there's still a lot of targets that has been vacated by Rob Gronkowski. So Josh Gordon does have some potential coming back off of the suspension, which is great news and something to keep your eyes on. Go to www.mdffshow.com com to look at his projections and look at his rankings of where I have him as of now. Uh, in other news, we did talk about, we're going to have to get to Antonio Brown here. There's more helmet news. I didn't think it was possible. So the last two days that had come out that Antonio Brown had been a full participant in practice in walkthroughs. And then all of a sudden, apparently after the walkthrough practice today, he decided to leave camp again because of the helmet issue. He found a helmet that was supposed to be within the requirements that the NFL laid out for him. He says it's a lab. It failed the lab test, and now he can't use that helmet, which was the same helmet that he found for his, just made 
within the 10-year period that the NFL was requiring, and now he's leaving camp again. And apparently this definitely frustrated Mike Mayock enough to at least say something in the media finally because the Raiders have been backing him this entire time to this point, essentially saying we need to know if Antonio Brown is all in or all out when it comes to being a Raider, when it comes to playing in the NFL this season. So this was kind of a bit concerning to me. I'm still holding pat that Antonio Brown's going to be there week one, but this was a little odd that after that entire fiasco, after seemingly putting it behind him because the helmet that he found failed that lab test, he's now back on, I'm not even going to participate until the helmet situation gets figured out. So this is something to watch, but I'm going to keep stressing this all throughout the episode. It's still just wrapping Wrapping up the second week of preseason, there's still a lot of time for Antonio Brown to get back into camp, get practicing, and when we're talking about guys of this caliber, they don't need a ton of practice for them to be ready to go week one. Uh, One thing I do want to just say, because it did happen last night, we got news of it today, we need to acknowledge it. Uh, Cedric Benson passed away on a motorcycle accident last night, apparently. Uh, Very, very sad to hear about. It's always a shame when you hear about a motorcycle accident. It's always scary. And we just want to send out our thoughts to the Benson family and acknowledge that on the show, even though this is a fantasy football show predominantly. uh, That is something that we definitely want to at least mention and acknowledge that did happen in case you missed it. Uh, Of course, I'm recording this to you on Sunday night, so we did find out about the news earlier today, so you can have this available to you on Monday. That's going to close down the latest news segment. We're going to get come back right on the other side of the break and get into the five best tight ends that I have ranked for you. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. So when we talk about the tight end position in fantasy football, it is by far the most perplexing and frustrating position in fantasy football. When you're talking about the quarterbacks, running backs, and the wide receivers, and the tight ends, kind of leaving the defensive kickers in their own category, in their own own thing when you're talking about fantasy football. The tight ends is the most perplexing because you're stuck in a situation where you're either all in on the elite guys or you are just trying and hoping for a sleeper to get later on. So that's why we're going through this episode. I do think that while the tight end is not as a popular uh, position to talk about, especially on podcasts for people, I think it is one of the most important ones because it's one of the positions that if you can identify talent later, or if you can come up with a draft strategy that gives you a strong team while taking an elite tight end, that would then force you to pass on maybe some other valuable assets at the running back or the wide receiver position, then you can really get head and shoulders past your competition in that sense if you can literally nail down your tight end position if you play in a league that does require you to have at least one tight end in it. So that's why I think it's so important as we go through this episode, and that's why I'm very proud of the tight end rankings of the guys I plucked out to to talk to you guys about for the five best, five busts, and five sleepers. So let's start off with the five best tight ends, which to me, I think is pretty simple, pretty universal across the board. 
Number five, I have OJ Howard at number five. We all know OJ Howard. We know what kind of freak athlete he is. We know he's going to be in a pass first system with a lot of guys who are expected to have big seasons and breakout years and look really good overall. I'm not worried about the fact that people want to point out that Bruce Arians doesn't have a long history of amplifying the tight ends because I will point out to you that he's never had a tight end like O.J. Howard. And if the preseason has been any indication, especially this past week in the second game, uh, James Winston looked for O.J. Howard with some consistency right off the bat, and they've been playing their ones for the most part across the board to start off these preseason games to get them going, get the chemistry going. So I think O.J. Howard is an unarguable number five guy and you can expect to have a definite top five tight end who and a guy who has the potential to maybe get you into that top three spot depending on what happens with Zach Ertz and the Philadelphia Eagles but he does have the potential to be a absolute monster number four also don't think it's a big argument with him is Evan Ingram Evan Ingram's in a situation where he could theoretically be the number one pass catcher not named Saquon Barkley on the Giants there is there is a a precedent a position a possibility that that could happen with Evan Ingram given Golden Tate being suspended for the first four games given Sterling Shepard who's more of a slot receiver and I've talked about this plenty of times before that is being forced to play on the outside predominantly probably even more so when Golden Tate comes back as well Evan Ingram is locked into his role he is going to be the guy who can stretch the field down the seam and I think he might be the number one guy to stretch the field sadly enough for the Giants he's going to be utilized in the red zone we know Eli Manning will traditionally throw to his tight end we also know Evan Ingram has a long history of performing really well and getting high volume when Odell Beckham was not in the lineup, which he will not be all season long. So Evan Ingram is really in a great spot here to get a good amount of volume and as well as being a very good and productive player in his own right. Now, I don't expect this offense to be great. I've talked about that in the past as well, especially when it pertains to Saquon Barkley, why I don't have him as my number one overall running back in all of the leagues and all of the scoring formats, I should say, as a result. But with a tight end, as long as you get a tight end who can get you somewhere between six and nine touchdowns, somewhere between seven and 900 yards, you're going to have a guy who's going to be consistent week in and week out performer. Not only should Evan Ingram get you that as a floor, as a reasonable expectation, but he does have the potential to get you even more because of how good of an athlete and pass catcher that he is. And the situation he finds himself in, which is he could be the number one pass catcher on that team. The volume is the reason why I give him a little bit of a nod over OJ Howard because OJ Howard on a team that has a lot of really good pass catchers, a lot of guys who are going to be ahead of him sometimes in the pecking order when it comes to targets. But with Evan Ingram, he might be the number one or two guy on the Giants this season, which is why I give him the number four nod. Number three is Zach Ertz. Another one that I feel like isn't too debatable. I know some people go back and forth between Zach Ertz and George Kittle, and we'll get to that in just a second. With Zach Ertz, obviously the biggest thing is that he's going to have a regression as far as targets that he got a season ago, as catches, probably yards. But him having a regression, it's kind of like Patrick Mahomes having a regression. He could have a regression and still easily finish as a top three tight end. He's still going to be a favorite target of Carson Wentz's in the red zone between the 20s as a safety blanket. He's still going to be on a really good offense that puts him in a lot of positions to be able to get meaningful fantasy football points as well. He's still going to be in a pass-first offense. He's going to be in an offense that's going to utilize two tight end sets quite often. So they're going to have an emphasis on the tight end position helping them out. No, he might not be absolutely ridiculous on wide receiver one-esque numbers when it comes to targets like he was a season ago, but there's no reason to think that this guy will not be a top three tight end, and as a result, going in the top three rounds in those leagues that do require a tight end. My number two is George Kittle, and the reason why George Kittle is my number two is because he is probably the closest thing I have seen to Gronk-esque, to Kelsey-esque, as far as an athlete goes, as far as a great route runner and pass catcher goes. And like Evan Ingram, he is also in a situation where he might easily find himself as the number one pass catcher on his team. 
Look, for as far as the wide receivers go for the 49ers, Dante Pettis is still my number one guy. And then outside of that, you're looking at a rookie in Debo Samuel. You're looking to see what maybe Marquise Goodwin can get you after he's now somehow separating himself from the roster bubble that he was on not that long ago uh, from possibly getting cut. You're talking about Kendrick Bourne, who has had plenty of drop issues throughout. You're talking about Trent Taylor, who has not consistently been able to get on the field since he's been drafted in the league. So there's a lot of question marks at the wide receiver position. George Kittle was their number one pass catcher a season ago, and I would say is still their best pass catcher overall. Jimmy Garoppolo is coming back. That means a better quarterback throwing him the ball, and he was already able to produce at a high level with backups to this point. So it's another situation where he could wind up being the number one pass catcher, and he has the talent, I believe, of a Travis Kelsey, of a Rob Gronkowski, as far as being able to have the impact on the game. I expect that to continue, and that is why he's my number two guy. My number one is Travis Kelsey. Obviously, one, Travis Kelsey is the most talented tight end in the game today right now. He is on what will probably be the number one offense in the NFL. And we we know what Travis Kelsey brings to the table. He's going to bring you almost wide receiver one elite numbers as a tight end, which makes him almost invaluable in leagues that require a tight end spot. So we know about Travis Kelsey. He's going in about the second round right now in most leagues. That is where he belongs, and I have no issue with it. I do want to give an honorable mention to Hunter Henry because he is my number six, and it's he's not that far off from O.J. Howard at the number five spot. So I do want to give him an honorable mention. I know he's coming back off of a serious injury. I know he's two years removed away from football. This guy was one of the most looked at up and coming stars at the tight end position. And even if he doesn't get a high volume of catches, which is what everyone is worried about, I am telling you, he's not going to lack volume when it comes to red zone targets and Philip Rivers wanting to use him in that way. And I also think people are underestimating just exactly how much of an impact he's going to have between the twenties. He is going to be one of the primary pass catchers Philip Rivers looks to go to. And if Melvin Gordon was to miss any games, I think that would only give Hunter Henry that many more targets over the middle intermediate short part of the field where Melvin Gordon and the running backs would normally work so I think sky's the limit for Hunter Henry as well he's a close close top five tight end to me I have him at number six so I just wanted to give him a quick honorable mention in this podcast we're gonna take a quick break come back on the other side we're gonna talk about the five bust tight ends that you should stay away from at least away from where their ADP is right now Tired of spending hours upon hours on research for your drafts, but still want the excitement of having something on the line while watching the game? Well, join the Thrive Fantasy app where they have streamlined the process for you to make it easy and fun to play along. Use promo code MDFF when you sign up with a $10 deposit and receive an additional $10 for free. Again, that's promo code MDFF. So when making up the content of this episode and coming up with the the five best, the five busts, the five sleepers for the tight end position, it was very similar to that of the quarterbacks, which is there's not as many you're going to choose from uh, to possibly draft, to look at, because there's just not as many guys that are going to be viable to even play or consider. So it became a little difficult to meet, to meet the five and actually have it be of substantial meaning, but... I was able to come up with five pretty good bust tight ends that I really feel like people need to be warned of to make sure you're not taking them where A, everyone else is taking them, or B, is in general, not taking these guys too high. Number five is a guy that I've talked about a few times as to why I didn't understand why he was getting as much love as he was, and it's kind of been compacted now with his suspension, that's Chris Herndon. Chris Herndon, even with his four-game suspension, still has an ADP of 21. Now, I know what you're saying. is like, well, in most leagues, that's either not getting him drafted or, you know, not he's not a starting tight end as a back-end tight end two in 12-man leagues. Yeah, that's all true. But what it is telling me is as ADP 21, he is a guy that a lot of people are going to be looking to stream. He's a, he's a guy that a lot of people are going to be ex- still expecting to have that maybe that sleeper-esque type of season that they were hoping for before he had the suspension. I have him right now ranked 31st in standard. and Actually, I have him ranked 31st across the board. Uh, standard, half point, and full point PPR. So I have him a full 10 spots lower. And I'm just going to keep harping on it until people, I guess, listen. I don't know what else to do. But... 
Adam Gase does not amplify the tight end position. They are going to throw it in the intermediate part of the field predominantly most of the time, and that is always going to go to the slot receiver or the running back. That is how his offense works. Even in the red zone, the tight end position is not a place that they look to go to with the ball. It's the back end fade. It's the running game. It's you know, it's the slot receiver, it's the gadget play, it's the cross, and we get into that goal line situation. That is what Adam Gase is going to look to do. There's not going to be a lot of opportunities this year for Chris Herndon to suddenly make his mark. I do think he's a fairly decent athletic tight end. I don't think he is as talented as a lot of people seem to want to make him to be as far as being a future competent tight end starter in the NFL for years to come. But what I am telling you that in fantasy football purposes, you can move Chris Herndon into that slot of completely and utterly irrelevant for this entire season, maybe for his career, as long as Adam Gase is his head coach. So I just want to emphasize that one more time here. So maybe people will actually listen to my warning this time around. Who knows? My number four is Greg Olson. Greg Olson, shocking, shockingly to me, has an ADP of 16, which I can't believe. I have him ranked 40th across the board. So he goes from a mid-level tight end two to a guy that I'm saying, I think he's even worse than Chris Herndon for his fantasy prospects this season. I think he's definitely not draftable. I barely think he's even somebody who might be streamable. Now, I say might be because I'll reemphasize this with the tight end position. As long as you're a tight end who has a chance to score a touchdown in any given week, you are a tight end who has a chance to be a tight end one in any given week. So it, that's one of the that's one of the flaws about the position that it really just doesn't take much to be serviceable. Having said all of that, biggest thing that I have Greg Olson not ranked nearly as high for is because I don't have him playing 16 games. I have him playing 10. I know that he has looked explosive coming out of mini camp and training camp recovering from his foot surgery. That's all fine and good. He got screws put into his foot. And the last people I've seen have injuries like this, guys like Des Bryant, guys like Sammy Watkins, had both had similar issues where they couldn't stay on the field for long periods of time anymore. And in Des Bryant's case, what I think is going to be similar to Greg Olson, because he was also in the latter part of his career, is that they lose that explosiveness. They lose that ability to really be able to stretch the field, get in and out of their breaks with ease, get that separation they're so desperately going to need. Greg Olson really needs that, especially for the red zone. Now, he's a big-bodied guy, and when it comes to Cam Newton, there's not too many guys throughout his career that he liked throwing the ball to more, especially in the red zone, than Greg Olson. So as long as Greg Olson's on the field, he does have a chance to catch a touchdown here and there. That's just kind of how it works, but I don't expect much volume. Chris McCaffrey has led the way as far as being the security blanket and the dump-down guy, and quite frankly, there's a lot more he can do with the ball in his hands. I still expect Cam Newton to go to Christian McCaffrey as that security blanket before he goes to Greg Olson. So that takes away a lot of his volume between the 20s. So now you're talking strictly a touchdown or bust tight end, and that is very, very dangerous to live by. I just don't see it. I just, at his age, with his chronic injury state that he's going to be in now with the screws in his foot coming off of that foot surgery, I don't understand why you would even bother drafting a guy like Greg Olson or even think that he's a streaming target until he shows you otherwise. This is a situation where you can sit back, wait, let him show you otherwise, or let someone else make that mistake. My number three bust tight end is Jared Cook. Yes, Jared Cook is my number three bust tight end. I know a lot of people love him. I know there's been a lot of reports about him coming out of the Saints training camp that has been that he's immersed into the offense naturally, that he's been explosive, that he's been a favorite target of Drew Brees, that he has been excellent to watch out there in training camp. Yet, that's never been an issue with Jared Cook. Jared Cook has never had trouble shining in training camp because he's an athlete. He's a hell of a pass catcher. His problem's always been consistency. His problem's always been staying relevant when he should be. And finally, yes, we saw last year that he finally had a season where he put it together for more than one game, where he was a tight end one all season long. One year. One year. He's had an entire career to do this, and it took 
pretty much being on a team that had no other choice, especially in the second half of the season, than to throw him the ball and be the featured pass catcher in the offense. That's what it took for him to finally get some consistency. And even then... He still wasn't that consistent on a week-to-week basis. Still, most of his points came in five and six games. So even then, you're still not one of the most consistent guys. Now, his ADP right now is eight. So that definitely has him inside the top ten. And I'm not that far off. In standard leagues, I'm hardly off at all. I have him tenth. In half-point and full-point PPR leagues, I have him 18th. So that's where my big gap is. I'm pretty much telling you that... The yards and the touchdowns will be there enough in standard leagues that he will compete and should be inside that top 10 tight end area. But what I'm telling you is that his volume is not going to be what people expect. His volume is going to come back down to what his career averages closer have been. And the fact that the Saints really haven't featured a tight end in their offense since Jimmy Graham. Now, you can make the argument that they haven't had as good of an athletic tight end in, in that since Jimmy Graham that they have now in Jared Cook, which is completely valid argument. I wouldn't argue with, with that point. But my point would be is that they don't use the tight ends as much as you think, and Jared Cook has a longer history of being disappointing than he has been being an upper echelon type of pass catcher to be able to depend on. So that's the difference when it comes to me with Jared Cook. I expect that his impact on that team is not going to be so much with his production, but his impact on that team will be his presence helping guys like Michael Thomas and helping Alvin Kamara. I have no doubt that Jared Cook, the player, will be invaluable to the Saints offense. But for fantasy football purposes, I don't see the statistical output that a lot of people are hoping to see out of Jared Cook this season. And that's reflected in my rankings. Like I said, I just don't see the volume, which puts them much lower in my half point and full point PPR rankings. Standard League is a little bit of a different monster. He should reach that top 10 because he should have enough yards and touchdowns that you're looking for at the end of the day. But Jared Cook is the guy that I expect a lot of people to have a reaction to. And all I can say to you is that look at his league history and look at what I've said before in the past and past podcasts. I don't subscribe to guys who have had an entire career to prove what their worth is, to prove that they can live up to their potential, to their talent, and only to fall short except for one season and suddenly because last year was that one season that they finally did well to suddenly think that that is the type of player that they are from now on. That is not usually the case nine out of 10 times. Just to beware of that. Do not reach on Jared Cook. That is all I am saying to you. My second guy for you is TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson's ADP is 12. I have him not being ranked. I have him close to the 50s. He's still a rookie tight end. He's still in an offense that is going to be very much run first. He's still in an offense that includes Jesse James, who he just paid an obscene amount of money to, enough so where at least in the first year of TJ Hawkinson's career, he's probably going to have to play second fiddle more times than not to Jesse James this year to justify the money that they paid him. So he's kind of in a situation where, yeah, he's the most talented tight end on that roster, but because of the contract situations, it may take a year before he actually gets treated as such. Plus, it's just a rookie tight end. Rookie tight ends, generally speaking, do not perform very well, especially when they're not in pass-first offenses, especially when they're not in offenses that have traditionally featured a tight end. Detroit Lions haven't had a good tight end for fantasy football purposes in forever. We kept waiting for Eric Ebron to be, but then he was never utilized. Yes, they have Daryl Bevel. Yes, they have a different kind of coordinator than they've had over the past few years. But let's not forget, Daryl Bevel is still the same guy who grossly misused Jimmy Graham on a consistent basis, who never quite was able to get him the production that he should have been able to get in that offense when he was there as well. So this isn't a guy who has a history of being able to amplify the position on top of it. Now, TJ Hawkinson could prove to be useful as the season goes, but going into the season, going into drafts, to say that he's ADP 12, which would mean a 12-man league, he's a tight end one, you do not draft him as your tight end one. Do not draft a rookie tight end in an offense that has not been known to amplify the tight end position from a fantasy perspective as your tight end one. Don't make that mistake. Let someone else make that mistake. Just buyer beware when it comes to TJ Hawkinson. I love the guy. I love his future. I think he's going to be uber talented. I think after this season, he's the guy we're going to be talking about as a tight end one, but not this year, not 2019. So don't make the mistake 
this year in redraft leagues. My number one bus guy is David Njoku. And I was really surprised that I had to make him my number one bus guy because I was really surprised that not enough people were low, already low enough on him that I would have to bring this to the forefront in this episode. David Njoku, his ADP is 9. His ADP is inside the top 10. It's mind-boggling to me. And for those of you out there who have helped put him in the top 10, I'll explain to you why it's mind-boggling to me. First, I'll start you off with, he's ranked 18th in my standard leagues, 15th in my half-point, and 13th in my full-point leagues. So my full-point PPR leagues, he is going to have that top-end tight end two area I do have him ranked for because of the catches. Because I do think there's going to be so there's going to be such a volume of the Cleveland Browns offense in the passing game that I do think he'll get enough catches in those full-point PPR leagues to kind of offset the lack of yards and touchdowns that I expect there to be. But the big reason why I think David Nuj- and I honestly may be too high on him as far as as far as my rankings go because there's a real chance of a possible floor performance out of him this season because taking all the consideration last season he had every opportunity in the world to succeed and what happened he didn't perform well he didn't get the production he was expected and Baker Mayfield came in the offense was looking much better Jarvis Landry was the number one wide receiver Antonio Callaway was up and down if there was ever a time where David Njoku should have been able to take advantage and show that he can be a next up-and-coming tight end, a next up-and-coming pass catcher in this league, it should have been last year. And he just completely did not live up to his potential, did not live up to his expectation a season ago. It's only going to get worse this year. We already know the Freddie Kitchen system and the Todd Mocken system being a pass for system, but a system that does not usually utilize the tight end all that much within that passing air raid Bruce Arians-esque type of system that they are going to be running. So it already doesn't amplify the tight end position as it is. Plus, now he's got Odell Beckham to share targets with. Jarvis Landry is there. Nick Chubb's going to be utilized in every facet of the game, and they showed some real uh, confidence in throwing him the ball towards the second half of last season. So I just don't see this scenario where David Njoku winds up being a top 10 tight end. I was frankly surprised that enough people believe that he is that they actually put his ADP within the top 10, put it at 9. I was shocked by that. He does not have that ceiling. He does not have that upside. The opportunity simply is not there. And I am really fearful that he could wind up living down to his floor for all of those reasons that I just listed to you. It's just not a great situation for David Njoku himself given how that offense is constructed, given the way that they're going to be calling the plays. That wraps up our bus segment for today. We're going to hit the next breaker, come back. We're going to talk about the five sleepers on the other side so you can get your value because that is where you can really win your leagues if you can draft the tight end late and get a guy who can perform for you in a top 10 tight end situation. That is where you can really get ahead of your competition. So we're going to get into that in the next segment after this. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. Now, believe it or not, even given the desperate state of the tight end position for fantasy football, there actually are quite a few sleepers this year that I really, truly do like and really, truly feel have a legitimate opportunity to get inside that top 10 tight end position. Starting off with my number five, Jimmy Graham. Yes, he had a disappointing year last year. Yes, a lot of people thought coming on the Green Bay Packers that maybe he would finally be put in a situation where he could actually live up to the numbers that we had seen from him in New Orleans. Maybe not quite on that prime, maybe not quite on that level, but at least be more involved, especially in the red zone that he was in Seattle. And that just didn't wind up being the case. He only had two touchdowns. Now, in PPR leagues, he actually still wound up being okay because, believe it or not, he still got a fair amount of catches, especially for the tight end. But it just wasn't enough. It was really disappointing at the end of the day. However, that was also in an offense that was one of the worst Green Bay Packer offenses that we have seen in some time with McCarthy on the outs. 
as now he's been let go, and we have now have Matt LaFleur. Now, it depends on how you want to look at this with Matt LaFleur as to whether or not you think he amplifies the tight end position. You can look at it from the standpoint of he's coming from the Rams system. That one year he's the offensive coordinator, even though Sean McVay was really the one calling the plays. But that Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At one year, he's coming from that system where they don't really utilize the tight end position all that much. Or you can look at it from the standpoint of when he was the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans last year, when he was calling the plays, even without Delaney Walker, the tight end position of the Tennessee Titans actually performed quite well. And if you were able to emerge them into one tight end that they were using to replace Delaney Walker, if you merged them into one tight end, they would have finished in the top 10 of tight ends a season ago. So keeping that in mind, and they didn't even have their best guy playing in the position, which one are you going to get? So it depends on how you want to look at this Matt LaFleur. What I can take out of this is two things, and I've been pretty consistent on the first point. First point is the Green Bay Packer offense as a whole I expect to be better. Even even in spite of not being a big Matt LaFleur fan, I expect it to be better because it was just retrocious at times watching it a season ago of how inefficient it was and how just completely outdated the offense was. So it should get better from that standpoint. Second standpoint is is that I do think Matt LaFleur is a guy who will try to utilize the tight end more so than the Packers have in the past under Mike McCarthy. I also think just natural progression for Jimmy Graham was that he's going to get more than two touchdowns this season. He should get closer to five or six again. He should be he should be one of the bigger red zone threats outside of Devontae Adams for this team. We know Andrew Lo- Andrew Rodgers, I almost called him Andrew Luck. Aaron Rodgers is one of the most accurate quarterbacks out there, and we know that he likes to go to his certain big guys when they get into the red zone. Devontae Adams has been that guy, but outside of him, somebody else is going to have to step up. It really would make sense if that person was Jimmy Graham. So I really do expect him to go from two touchdowns, at least somewhere between five or six. He should be somewhere between that seven and 900-yard range, probably closer between seven and 800 yards. But that would put him on the cusp of the tight end ones. Right now, though, my rankings aren't too far higher than his ADP is right now. His ADP is 19. Uh, My rankings have him at 17th in standard, 17th in half point, and 16th in full point. So I kind of have him around that mid-tier tight end too. But he is a guy who I think is going to have a stretch where he's going to be really usable. I think he's somebody who has a higher ceiling if he can be utilized more so in the red zone. It, It wouldn't surprise me if Jimmy Graham was the guy who got you eight or nine touchdowns. He still has that capability. He still has that athleticism. He still has the offense and the quarterback to put him in a situation where that is a possibility. I'm not projecting for it, but he does have that ceiling that is there, which is why I have him a little bit higher than the ADP. It's why he's one of my sleepers, because you can draft him in the very last round of your drafts and have a tight end that still might be competent for you as a starter week in and week out. If not, you didn't pay anything for him. There's no risk involved. You can go ahead and stream tight ends like half of your league will be doing anyway. Nothing to lose there, but I do think he's a guy who has a bigger ceiling than most in that range. My number four sleeper is Darren Waller of the Oakland Raiders. I love this guy's talent. He's just, you know, he's a big... He's a tight end who's really just a glorified wide receiver. He's not much in the way of a pass blocker, but he has been being utilized and practicing when he hasn't been a little bit banged up here and there because he's missed some practices there. But when he's out there practicing, the Raiders have had him as their starting tight end. They plan him to use them similar to how they used Jared Cook a season ago. And of course, we know they have much more better weapons this season outside of the tight end position. But I like this kid. I've liked him for a while. He's had athletic ability. He's going to get a shot to shine this season. He's He's not somebody you have to draft. His ADP right now is 34. I have him ranked 21 in all three scoring formats. 
So he's not somebody I'm even telling you that you have to draft. He is somebody, however, who should be on your watch list heading into the season. Or if you want to go ahead and take him in the very last round, your pick, and put, put him at the tight end position and see what happens, I'd be fine with that too. But he is somebody who I think you should have your eye on this season, especially if you're looking to stream tight ends. He could be that big pickup for you that helps solidify that position this season. My number three sleeper is Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle's ADP was surprising to me. His ADP is 23. I have him ranked 15th in standard, 13th in half point, and then also 14th in full point PPR leagues. So I have him as a mid to higher level tight end too. And I don't see why his ADP is so low at 23. Yes, he was banged up a year ago, but we also know the Colts are going to run a lot of two tight end sets. We also know that Jack Doyle, when he played, was the starter over Eric Ebron, was targeted more, did play more, was definitely more utilized between the 20s. Now, where does he give way to Eric Ebron? In the red zone, which is what you want the most for a tight end position. This much is true. But I still have him projected for about five touchdowns this season. I still have him projected for more yards than Eric Ebron and more catches than Eric Ebron. I think they're just going to utilize him more between the 20s. And that's why in PPR leagues, half point and full point PPR, I'm a little bit higher on him. I am. A, I have him closer to that top end, tight end two position. Uh, but this is a guy who is going for almost nothing. I see him most drafts either just not being drafted, and he is somebody who I'd be willing to take in the back end of my drafts, plug in my tight end spot, and feel pretty good that I'm going to get somewhere between five to eight points out of the tight end position on a week-to-week basis in standard leagues. In full-point PPR leagues, it could be more like six to nine, six to ten points, and I feel pretty good I'm going to be able to reach that mark, meaning I feel pretty good that I'm going to have a serviceable, competent tight end week in and week out. And when you're putting him at 23, you're pretty much saying that you're just kind of staying away from him. Jack Doyle is going to be in a position to be able to produce this season as long as he stays healthy and is on the field. My number two that I'm very, very excited about is Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed's ADP is 18th. I have him ranked 11th in standard, 14th in half point, and I have him inside the top 10 in full point PPR. I have him ranked 7th in full point PPR at the tight end position. He is a guy who, like some of the other guys I talked about at the elite end, has an opportunity in front of him to possibly be the number one pass catcher on his team. There's no wide receivers of note in Washington right now. It's it's Paul Richardson. It's Josh Doxson, who they've already pretty much made it clear at this point they're moving on from next year. There's Trey Quinn, who they talked about maybe leading the team in targets because he's going to be playing the slot wide receiver position, which is always a heavily targeted receiver position in the Gruden system. But there's a real possibility that if Jordan Reed stays healthy, and of course that's a big if, but if he stays healthy, he could be the number one pass catcher on that team. Look, I have him projected for 13 games. I don't have him projected for full 16. But from everything we have heard that he has looked much more explosive, much more like himself than he did last season throughout training camp. And I could tell you through the videos that I've been able to watch on him, he does look like a much closer version to the Jordan Reed of old than we saw last season. Last season was really weird because last season, until at least the very end, he was actually staying healthy pretty much almost the entire year, but never looked like himself, never looked explosive, never looked like the playmaker that we had been used to seeing when he was at least on the field. It looks like he could get back to that. This is a guy who I do have hopes could get back to that kind of level of play. The injury will be a question, no doubt. But with him being an ADP 18 tight end, he's pretty much saying you're going to take him in the back end of the draft. Yes, he's being drafted more times than not, but we're still talking somewhere between the 14th and 16th round here when everyone's contemplating do they take that tight end, that defense, that kicker. You know, That's where he's going in about that range. So he's going for practically free in drafts. He's not going to cost you much. He's not going to lose you your draft if you take him. And I think he's a guy who has very little risk because of where you can take him with very high reward, given the player that he is, given the situation that he has before him as possibly being that number one pass catcher. That is why I'm so big on Jordan Reed this season. My number one keeper guy for similar reasons, more to keeper guy, my number one tight end sleeper guy for similar reasons to Jordan Reed is Mark Andrews. Again, I think he has an opportunity to be the number one pass catcher on that team. 
He was definitely the best pass catcher between him and Hayden Hurst. He's coming off of a pretty good rookie season for a tight end on top of it. And he's coming into an offense that, A, amplifies the tight end position with Greg Roman. He always has utilized his tight ends when he has a decent pass catching one. And B, he has rookie wide receivers blanketing him all around, meaning he could be the guy who has the most chemistry with Lamar Jackson, who has the most confidence to be that security blanket, that guy he goes to to move the chains, and on top of it, could very well be in a situation where he is the number one red zone target, and I don't see why he wouldn't be, quite frankly. This is an offense that's going to use multiple tight end sets a lot of the time. It's a position that's just going to be utilized and featured throughout the entire season. Lamar Jackson has already shown that he is quite accurate when it comes to that intermediate area of the field, especially in the middle of the field, which would be prime Mark Andrews territory. I just like the opportunity that he has in front of him. I like the fact that he should be able to take a step up going into year two of the NFL. I like the prominent role that he's going to be in. I like all the reports that I've heard about Mark Andrews so far this season, about how good he's looked, about how he's been pretty much the best pass catcher on the Baltimore Ravens throughout training camp here. I really like Mark Andrews. You can get him in that like 13th, 14th round right now. And he's a guy that I do expect to have a real shot at being a top 10 tight end this season for you and possibly being the difference to win you a few leagues because I do think he's that one guy who's outside of that top six who actually has a chance to crack that top six by the end of the season. I do think that is in his range of possible outcomes that he could go to. So I do like Mark Andrews quite a bit as my sleeper tight end this season. That's going to close down that segment. We're going to come back on the other side of the break. We're going to get into the mailbag segment before we close down the show today. And I'm also going to talk to you about what the upcoming schedule is going to be for these last few episodes before we start week one of the season. So let's take a quick break and come right back and get to it. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. I really love that I've been able to do a mailbag segment in the last few episodes here and will continue to do so until week one and through the regular season. Remember, when we actually get into the regular season on Thursdays and Fridays when we're talking about the preview for the upcoming games, I'm going to have mailbag segments for there too. Predominantly going to be obviously start-sit questions, but could be any fantasy football question even still. And remember, like I said in the beginning of the show, if you want to have a chance to have your question answered on the show or be just answered by me directly, I will definitely be a tool for you all season long. Just make sure you're following me on Twitter at MDSFFshow, Facebook at MDFFshow, or contacting me through the website www.mdffshow.com. All of those ways are ways you can get in touch with me. I will get back to you if you have a question, any fantasy football question. I promise you that I am here to be a tool for you guys. I am here as your resource, and I love doing so. And also, on top of it, the other reason why I've loved being able to do this mailbag segment, especially as of late, is because I've been getting phenomenal questions by you guys. So I picked out a few for us to go through in today's segment before we close out the show. So let's start off with Shard Bink from Twitter. He asked, do you think Cole Beasley will be a sleeper pick? Now, I picked this one out because this is the only question of this type that I have gotten all year is a Cole Beasley question. I haven't gotten one Cole Beasley question at this point. So I was like, I figured, I'm like, okay, I'll put this on the show then because it's interesting that you would even want to ask that question. Now, I think part of it had to do with this past preseason game. Cole Beasley was targeted pretty often there by Josh Allen. And what I have to say to that is earlier on in training camp, preseason where you're not going to want to show too much of your offense. Yeah, the easy thing for a quarterback, especially a young quarterback like Josh Allen to be able to do is just throw it to that slot receiver, get some timing down, get going. It's not going to be part of their offense. And as you saw in that preseason game, Josh Allen was still not the most accurate guy to be throwing that ball. And this is the biggest thing that I've been knocking the Bills for when they signed Cole Beasley in the first place, especially the amount of money that they did is that Josh Allen's just not an accurate of guy to hit a guy like Cole Beasley on a consistent basis for him to have any kind of value. 
On top of that, I don't know if there's going to be a pass catcher of the Bills who's going to be worth a damn all season long regardless, quite frankly. So no, I don't think Cole Beasley is some sort of sleeper pick. I don't even know if he's a guy who's going to be worth picking up off your waiver wire in any scoring format at some point this season, unless you're in like 16 or 18 man leagues is the only scenario in which I could think that he's actually a possibility on your mind. So no, I'm staying away from Cole Beasley. If there's one wide receiver on the Buffalo Bills who I would even fathom taking a chance on it would be John Brown because he's a big play guy Josh Allen does have an arm he is going to want to let it loose as we get into the season remember John Brown did not play while Cole Beasley was getting peppered with targets in this past preseason game either so just keep that in mind no I don't think Cole Beasley is going to be a sleeper of any sorts this upcoming season next question we have Moose Gibson from Twitter asks what value do you think Josh Gordon has? So this is why I didn't go into too much depth in Josh Gordon in the latest news because I knew it was going to be uh, going over this question here now. And pretty much with Josh Gordon, look, we know that if he can stay out of trouble, the type of athlete he is, the type of ability he has, he could potentially be a wide receiver one. He could potentially crack that top 12, that top 10. That is a possibility. Not likely at this point, especially in his career, being he's been so inconsistent in A, even being able to stay on the field because he's been able to stay out of rehab or mental counseling or whatever he has to go through over the past few years and was in and out last year as well, which was so frustrating. Uh, But we know when he's on the field, the capabilities that he has. We know that Tom Brady did show a rapport with him pretty quickly last season. And we also know that at least now this year going with the Patriots, he's going in there with a full season knowing that if he was going to play football, it was going to be for the New England Patriots, and he would be motivated to do so. Look, when you're when you're looking at Josh Gordon, you can't draft him any higher than a back-end wide receiver two, more preferably a mid-tier to high-level wide receiver three. That's the area that you have to look to draft him. You can't look to draft him any higher than that, simply because of everything that I've listed out. We all know the risk with him. We all know that he could be playing one day and the next day be on his way to rehab and be suspended from the league again. That's very much a real scenario. So you can't draft him high, but he is somebody who you can kind of take in that Dante Pettis, Wolf Fuller range, which we're talking like somewhere between that eighth and 10th round, that high end wide receiver three type who could be a flex for you with that has the upside to be a high end wide receiver two, possibly low end wide receiver one in the weeks that he plays. The Patriots, their depth chart at the wide receiver position has been pretty disappointing so far. Their their most impressive guy has been Jacoby Myers, who was a late-round rookie pick. It hasn't been Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry's been banged up and has had an up-and-down camp so far. Julian Edelman hasn't practiced at all throughout training camp because of the thumb injury, even though he should be fine for week one. And Philip Dorsett, we know we have a Philip Dorsett. He was an okay receiver to be utilized in certain situations. So Josh Gordon can come onto this team and be the second uh, pass catcher, be the second read outside of Julian Edelman, quite frankly. So he is in the possibility where you could have a lot of opportunity in front of him if he could actually play all 16 games. So there's a there's just a wide range of possibilities when it comes to Josh Gordon. But if you are going to be able to get him between the 8th and 10th round in that range, I do think he's worth taking a shot on because we know what he brings to the table. And he's not somebody who'd be depending on to be the fundamental part of your team. So that's where I value Josh Gordon as of now. That is actually kind of where I have him ranked at the moment as well. I have him in the mid-30s, which puts him on that back end of that wide receiver three when you're talking about 12-team leagues. And pretty much across the board, no matter what scoring format, is about where I have him there. Next question, Myers, who emailed me through the website, asks, Derek Carr, does he have a chance to be a top 15 quarterback? So I wrote down a little note on here because I wanted to make sure I remember exactly where I have him ranked at everything. So I have him ranked as the number 24 quarterback. So my quick answer to you would be that, no, I don't think it's likely that he's a top 15 quarterback However, what I would say is that at the heart of your question, I think I understand where it is you're coming from. 
This is this is a guy who's only a couple years removed away from having a near MVP like season. This is a guy who threw for well over four thousand yards last season and had one of his career lows in touchdowns because he didn't have really any targets to go to, and that has changed this year. He has Tyrell Williams, who would already be an improvement over any receiver he had a season ago. But to go with that, he's a guy called Antonio Brown. Now Let's assume that the Antonio Brown shenanigans gets put behind him and he plays week one, which is what I do think is what's going to happen. But with everything out and, out and about right now, let's just assume that's definitely what's going to happen 100% that he is there week one. Derek Carr has quite a few weapons to go to. A, he has a running back in Josh Jacobs where they're not going to be predictable because he's a guy who can run and can catch the ball. It's not going to be just bring in Jalen Richard every time it's a passing down situation and become predictable in that sense. So he has a running back he can kind of utilize and be able to actually have an effective play action off of as well. I talked about Darren Waller being a sleeper tight end. He's got a good pass catcher there. He's got Antonio Brown, who I still think from a talent standpoint and a skill set standpoint is the number one wide receiver in the NFL. And you have a good deep threat wide receiver in Tyra Williams who can go up and catch the ball. So he's had more weapons than really he's had his entire career going back to you know rookie Amari Cooper and when he had Michael Crabtree when he had that really good season before he got hurt. So it's it's it, I don't want to say it's impossible. I want to say it's possible, but just very much not likely. Derek Carr is still a very conservative quarterback. He's a checkdown at heart. Captain Checkdown should be his nickname. Uh, so from that standpoint, he just kind of really limits his own ceiling because of the way he plays the game. Because he does play, I want to say frankly, he looks like he plays scared sometimes. He looks like at least. Not scared to be on the field, but scared to take a chance. Scared to take a risk and actually push the ball down the field and be aggressive when he should be. And until that changes, and maybe that changes this year with the weapons he has, I don't know. But until that changes, it's really going to limit the ceiling that he has. So I would have to say that no, most likely he will not be a top 15 quarterback, but there's a small possibility. That's all the questions that I picked out for the show today. I had a great show with you guys today. Great time recording this. Great time talking about all of this. So what we have coming up next, which is very important, is on Thursday, we are going to re-examine or explore deeper into the quarterback rankings from the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And we're going to be talking about that. We're going to do a mock draft on Thursday, a live mock draft on the podcast. It's going to be a 12-team league standard scoring format. And then, of course, we're going to have a mailbag segment at the end of the show, so make sure you get your questions in as well. That formula is going to continue for the next three shows. So the following Monday, we're going to do running back rankings, and we're going to talk about those in more in-depth my running back rankings. We're going to do another live mock draft on the show. It will be a 12-team league, but it will be a half-point PPR scoring format and a mailbag segment. And then next Thursday, we're going to get into the wide receiver rankings, maybe talk a little bit about the tight end rankings as well too, but guys, we have not talked about thus far in the five best, five bust, and five sleeper uh, episodes that we've done leading up to this point. We're going to be, it's going to be a more in-depth exploration of my rankings so you guys will get a few names that I hadn't talked about to this point for better or for worse as far as what I think their fantasy output would be and we're going to do a live mock draft on that one as well with the full point PPR 12 team league and a mailbag segment so once that's all concluded which that's going to be the next three episodes once that's concluded then it'll be week one everyone it's going to be week one after that is done only three episodes away now this episode is done And what we're going to do is obviously the week one schedule will be different than the rest of the schedule will be for the season. And I've been able to finally kind of figure out and finalize exactly what the schedule is going to be. So I'm going to give you guys a heads up on what that is now. Week one is just going to have two episodes leading up to the week. Mostly because I want to make sure my rankings, we are going to be doing weekly projections and rankings on the website, www.mdffshow.com. So you can go there every single week and know who I'm projecting, who I have ranked higher to help with your start-sit situations. But in order to do that, I have to make sure everything is set up. So that week one, being that we, we're not going to do a waiver wire segment the first week because really shouldn't be any need for it. We're just going to come back on that Thursday and that Friday leading up 
preview the Thursday night game, talk about any injuries, talk about any holdouts that might possibly still be looming at that point, and preview the Thursday night and the 1 o'clock games like we did last year, a part 1 and a part 2. On Friday, we will preview the 4 o'clock Sunday night, Monday night games, give you the finalized injury report, and of course, both of those episodes give you a mailbag segment. So week one is just going to be a Thursday and Friday preview episodes. Week two will start what the regular schedule will be throughout the entire season, which will be on Monday. You will get a full recap of the Sunday games. Because you'll get the Thursday night recap on Friday. So you get a full recap of the Sunday games on Monday. On Tuesday, you're going to get a recap of the Monday night game and a waiver wire segment. Uh, I expect the Tuesday episodes actually will be a little bit shorter this season uh, than we have done in the past. There won't be any episodes on Wednesday, just like there wasn't a season ago. And then on Thursday and Friday, we'll come back with the preview for the Thursday night 1 o'clock games and then the 4 o'clock Sunday night and Monday night games on Friday, along with all the injury reports, along with all the mailbag segment questions. So all of that, that's how this is going to break down. So it's going to be four episodes a week during the regular season. That is when you can expect those episodes to take place. So I'll be all over it for you. And of course, I will be able to get you the projections and rankings on a week-to-week basis as well this year. I'm very excited to get the opportunity to be able to do that for you guys to really help you take your games to the next level as you become more and more a part of the MD Nation community. So that's going to wrap up the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Remember, Listen on Radio Public or any one of your favorite podcast apps. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is widely available to you. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at MDSFFshow, Facebook at MDFFshow, or go to the website www.mdffshow.com. Make sure you check out one of my networks. We have uh, you know great peers, great content, especially coming out close to the football season right now in all three of them. OvertimeHeroics.com, BellyUpSports.com, UnwrapSports.com. Also, later on this week, I'm going to be making another guest appearance on another podcast, the Coaches Fantasy Podcast. They are are my peers from one of my networks, so make sure you stay tuned to that. I'll let you know when that episode is going to drop so you can check out their podcast, which is really good, and listen to me on there as well. I'm going to see you guys on Thursday, and have a lovely day. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.